Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, back again for another episode, episode five now. We're really getting up there. Uh, I'm uh, Jim Purcell. I'm Adam Pruitt. And I'm Craig Olson. And um, this episode, we have a very special guest. Eric Larson is with us. Uh, We'll be having an interview with him later on. Um, also, just mention uh, Gavin is not going to be with us tonight because he's feeling pretty under the weather, but I'm sure he'll join us uh, next time as soon as he can. Um, if you want, if we want to jump right into the news, uh, there's a couple award season related things. Uh, first of all, uh, Savage Dragon's own hand letter Tom Orzakowski is nominated for an Eisner Award, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Tom's the kind of guy that. Uh, Whenever he's nominated for an award, he deserves to win. Um, he's, you know, a steadfast veteran of the industry. He's been working on in comics for um, longer than all of us have been alive, and uh, lettered just about every X Men book that you've ever read, every Spawn book that you've ever read, and uh, we're loving his hand lettering stuff on Savage Dragon, obviously. But um, he's being nominated for the um, Milo Manera Library. Uh, that he, the work that he's doing as well as uh, Savage Dragon and uh, he's up against some other really talented folks but I do urge any comics professionals and anybody uh, eligible to um, nominate uh, Tom to do just that um, and along those same lines uh, we have about a week left before the uh, ballots are due in for the Harvey Awards and uh, we're trying to get a kind of grassroots uh, support for uh, the Frank Fosco B. Claim War story, the Red, Red Torpedo Life at Sea, uh, that was in uh, the 2011's Image Comics, uh, Crack Comics 63. So, also, if there are any, if there's any uh, comic pros out there that haven't turned in their ballots for the Harvey Awards, um, I urge you to uh, nominate uh, Red Torpedo for a best single uh, story or issue, or uh, Crack Comics as a whole for best anthology, because it. Those are definitely some creators that deserve some extra attention and support. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'll get off my soapbox now. Cool. Cool. So the second bit of news is that, um, Chris Giarusso, um, who's known as uh, the writer and artist of images, G man and the mini Marvel strips is going to be recreating classic, uh, first issue image covers as variants for a bunch of different image comic books. So I guess this is in commemoration of Image's 20th anniversary, and the word is that there's going to be 12 of these variants out for different books. Um, the only book that's listed right now is uh, Extreme Studios' Young Blood number 71, which is in stores May 23rd, and that's going to have um, Chris's version of Young Blood number one, that iconic cover, kind of drawn with his little, you know, chubby 
you know, character style, which is uh, kind of cool looking. Now that started out as an April Fool, an April Fool's joke. Uh, they were they they put out the a Walking Dead number one variant. Yeah, for kids. It said Walking Dead for kids, right? Right. That was like that was the that was an April that was an April Fool's joke. I think on the Image website, and uh, that was basically a preview for this uh, this cover project. Gotcha. And I, I'm assuming Savage Dragon will get one, maybe of like the miniseries, kind of like what McFarlane's doing, um, just because you know it. it Image did say that he's creating 12 classic first issue covers. I gotta imagine Dragon will be one of those. Um, in other news, uh, Supreme 63, uh, along with several other Image books, uh, sold out at the distribution level. Uh, and up there with such uh, such titles as America's Got Powers, Danger Club, Secret, Number One, uh, Hell Yeah, Number Two, Blood Strike 26, uh, Dark The Darkness 101, and Saga Number Two. Uh, Manhattan, Manhattan Project's number two. Also, a whole bunch of books. Image seems to be doing pretty well, at least selling out the, at the distribution level, which pro- which means demand is up. But I, I've been hearing a lot, some rumblings that selling out is not all that hot of a thing to do. It just means there isn't enough uh, product to meet demand, and that's never good when you're trying to get comics in people's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I add something to that, actually? Yep. Because we talked about this a little bit with uh, Joe Keating right. uh, last episode, and I just wanted to urge people because um, there have been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, kind of on the internet and, and in the industry about books selling out and, and things. And uh, none other than Image publisher Eric Stevenson wrote a really excellent blog uh, post uh, on his It Sparkles blog, and I recommend anybody uh, who's interested check it out. It's under um, 20, uh, March 28 uh, update. Uh, it's just called Selling Out. And in it, he, he kind of uh, goes into detail much of the stuff that we were talking about in the last episode. And it was, it was kind of cool because basically right after uh, our episode came out, like a few, it seemed like a few days later, this is when this blog was posted. So it, there was definitely some synergy there. I don't know if Eric listened to the show or anything, but uh, I, it did feel a little bit validated that he kind of um, chimed in at, and said all of the stuff that we had been talking about with Joe and, and kind of confirmed a lot of my suspicions. And uh, um, just the last thing I'll say about it is everybody, like readers and retailers, and everybody needs to support the books that they that they want uh, to continue to exist. And uh, there's been some talk that Eric's laying the blame at the feet of the retailers. I think if you read the article, you'll see that it's, it's not that. He's laying the blame at the community as a... As you know, at large and saying, you know, really we need to get these numbers better and we need to understand the order numbers better. And in order to do that, we need to know what you guys want. Well, either the customers need to order the books, retailers need to order the books uh, in proportion with what the demand really is. Right. Uh, anyway, I recommend that go go to it sparkles that is it dash sparkles.blogspot.com. It's an excellent, excellent blog almost all the time, but uh, this specifically is a really great post. So, Yep, definitely agree wholeheartedly. We have with us uh, this episode a uh, very special guest, the one, the only, Eric Larson is with us. Oh, is that a gunshot? Uh, no. <laughs> I was slamming the door, not realizing that he's interrupting something. No one breaking into your house again? Nah, not this time. 
So welcome, Eric. Thanks, guys. So we want to jump into it and talk about uh, Supreme number 63, which everyone was pretty excited to, to, to get their hands on. Yeah, finally out, huh? Yeah. Jeez, it seems like it's been forever waiting to <laughs> this one finally, finally come down and hit. Can you, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how you came to be the writer and illustrator? I know the illustrator for 63, but continuing on with 64, you're going to be the writer. Um, yeah, well, actually, it kind of came up about because uh, I was talking with, with Rob and with Eric Stevenson just about the extreme books coming to Image Comics in, in general terms. Um, and you know, just various like, okay, well, what do, what do we think we should do with this book, and where do you think this should go, and stuff like that. And uh, and I had an idea for Supreme just sort of on the on the spot, and it was like, well, just tossing this out. Here's what I I think would be a cool idea: what to do with Supreme. And it just kind of said, blah, da, 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 and let it let it go. And then and then the two of them were like. Oh, you should totally do that. <laughs> and they spent the next few months talking me into doing this book that I just kind of blurted out on the cuff. And uh, and then and then kind of the when when all the other books were being put in place, it seemed like a lot of the guys were just kind of starting over in a way and just and not really just picking up with the previous issue, but, but, uh, but, uh, just kind of going right into what they wanted to do. And, and I really wanted to, uh, have it be where it would, I didn't, I didn't think tossing out Alan Moore's last script was a good idea. I just thought, okay, it's here, it's paid for, it's, it's done. Yeah. Um, let me read the thing and see if that might be, a good way to segue into what I'm doing. Just just start off with that and and see if it it would work. And then having read through it, it's like oh, it actually would would work really really well. So what do you say we just do that? And so then then that became the thing to do. And uh, yeah, what a bear to work on now. My God, his <laughs> scripts. I mean, I'd heard about these scripts that are just really really long. And they are, and the the, and they're they're really long, and they're really descriptive, and there's a lot of kind of the same material in there over and over again, which it's something I didn't really count on as much, you know, like when they it would say he's he's got a bag under his arm where he's when he's walking out of the comic store, and then in every panel thereafter he would remind you that he still has this bag under his arm. <laughs> and, and that's one of, one of many examples of just different things that he would, he would just have in there. How, again and again. how many pages is the script? Um, I want to say 50. Wow. I and mean, it was, it was, it was pretty long and it was a lot more than I Cared to go swimming through. <laughs> you know, just, I'm the, the, the script length that I'm used to is just way, way, way shorter than that. And, I'm, and a, 
and part of the difficulty of, of just illustrating it was just looking through this, you know, long half page paragraph of stuff and going, okay, what in all this do I actually need to draw? What, what in here is, is relevant. And, and it, and it just, from there, you know, just trying to come up with ways of doing it and, and making it work. How, how long did it take you to draw the whole book? I mean, I know you well, break it's, the breakdown. It's, it's, yeah, there's never like it, it never just starts this day and ends this day. The, the whole thing probably took uh, just forever. Just yeah. it, it, was, <laughs> it was really over the over a couple of months that it yeah. did. That it finally got through, and and it so it was. I like to say like the the first issue took me eight weeks to draw and the second one took me eight days. Wow. That's, and that's kind of how it went is that the first one was really a, a bear to kind of swim through. And then the second one was just like, boom, let's go. Right. And the, I was re- go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I was reading this interview with Alan Moore and he was talking about how his scripts are three or four pages for every like normal script, one page or so, and he was just saying how dense everything is, and he fills with all this detail and descriptions, and it was like, it's kind of up to the artist whether or not they're going to do all that stuff or not. And he was well, like, yeah, <laughs> except it, there's a, there's an awful lot of, um, and in, in many of this, the comics that I've written and draw, there'll be a character, maybe two, having a conversation back and forth, and he'll often have panels where there's several different characters talking at once and then you'll have pages where every single panel is several different characters talking right right simultaneously and so when you take it all into account you don't there's there's places where you can't really zoom in as much as you'd like to because you just you've got to have two or three characters talking and they've got all the stuff that they're supposed to be doing so there's a lot more information that's kind of in there than there is uh, in my ordinary stuff and just sort of what I'm used to. So it presented new challenges and that's always good, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was, it's nice to have done it, to have gotten it out of my system. At the same time, I, it's, it's not something where I'm after having done it where I'm like, I really want to work with Alan some more because it was, it was much more work than, than, than I would like it to have been. And you're, you're doing the digital lettering too. Is that kind of, I know that is, it changes how you draw panels as well or. Um, not, not that much. I mean, I generally, when I get stuff back, lettered there'll be some places where I'll move things around just because it'll be oh that took up more room than I thought it would mm-hmm. this I don't get to do that so there will be places throughout where there, there'll be occasional panels where you go oh that looks a little more crowded than it, than it usually would be in, in one of his stories but that's how that works sometimes so just have to get used to it I have a question. Um, 
when was the last time you actually drew an entire issue based on someone else's script? It's been a while, right? Uh, not not a not a huge long time ago. Probably ten years. I mean, is is that a long time? Um, because I did just before I was doing the Defenders. Um, I did. Three issues of Spider-Man, three issues of Thor, and those were all from from scripts, and those were pretty. Those were pretty. Man, they were they were as full as scripts usually are, I guess, but they weren't like this. They were a the plot style one. I also drew an issue of Spider-Woman that John Byrne wrote. Yeah, that's that, right. was, that was kind of a weird one, just because his was a, it was a broken. It was a full script, but it wasn't broken down. Uh, by page, it was broken down by panel, so he just kind of wrote and then got to where he thought a good ending would be, and it's like, oh, here's here's my story. It's eighty five panels long, and so <laughs> it was it, it was up to the artist to decide what deserved a, a sixth of a page and what deserved a full page and stuff like that. It kind of had things be pretty dense early on, and suddenly as I got towards the end of it, I was going. Holy crap, I don't have that many panels left to go. I guess I gotta put in some full page pictures in there. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that issue of Spawn, too? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I totally forgot that issue Spawn. Yeah, that was that's more plot style. That wasn't that wasn't full script by any means. John Burns was the last full script that I that I drew and, and I haven't really drawn that many full scripts. In my career, most of the stuff that I've worked with has been either my own stuff or or, uh, or plot style, Marvel style. How did you get um, Corey involved in this project? W- were you in the beginning just thinking that you were going to pencil and ink this, or was the thought all along that you were just going to do breakdowns and find someone else to do finishes? It, it was always that I was going to do breakdowns and find someone else to do finishes. I just couldn't. Do both. I could do Savage Dragon and do full art choice on this, and right. do and I and I really wanted somebody who could bring something to it, and I really can't for the life of me remember how far he got involved. You could ask him. I I just it, I know it, he mentioned something about you know talking with you about doing like a Hercules. Back, a backup or a miniseries or anything like that. And okay, that's right. He had done he had done something with me before too, right? He had done a, a he did a Thor backup. A Thor that's right. And that was in, so I guess it came from that. But I I don't really remember like where he how he approached me or how that whole I mean, maybe he just emailed me out of the blue and just like hey I dig your stuff or whatever. That may have been it, and and then it kind of came from there. That makes as much sense as anything. Sure, why not? I'm going to go with that. <laughs> and he actually put a Hercules, your Hercules uh, character in a comic on, you know, on one of the walls in the comic shop on uh, in Supreme. That's uh, true. That's, that's true. I, I don't know that I ever saw every page that he had done of that, Her- that Hercules thing. Um, was, that, was that something that you wrote a script for, or he's just kind of... Yeah, I wrote, I wrote a plot for, I think, half an issue. I did, It wasn't a full issue. It was just, hey, here's something to get you going. Gotcha. And um, 
I don't. Yeah, it wasn't something that once it was drawn, it wasn't something that I was like head over heels over. I was just kind of like, huh. Just, he had a tendency to kind of have characters be in the camera kind of too much, and I, and I thought storytelling wise, he needed to pull back a little here and adjust things a little there. And I think that's kind of what came about with the Supreme stuff was you've got some strong um, artistic chops, but some of the storytelling stuff can be a little rough at times and and then he's not picking necessarily the the best shot that sometimes will be we're going to catch me. They're coming against you. Again? Again. Where else is story in my life? I mean, pulling up the place and pulling the last or what? That's what I get for living on a busy street. Okay. Where the hell was I? Um, You're just talking about Corey. We were happily ever after the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just the, kind of the way it worked out. Is that I, I got he'd be better off with a little more guidance, a little more just putting down some basic, okay, this guy's here and that guy's there. And, right. And letting him exercise his, his, his artisticness in really finishing it and making it a final comic. Uh, kind of like I was thinking when uh, Frank Miller was, easing off of doing the artwork on Daredevil, there was a period there where he was giving uh, Klaus Jansen sort of rougher layouts and Klaus is doing the finishes on it and and it really kind of showed him a way of doing the comics and it, and it, and it worked out very well and that's kind of what I'm looking at here is Corey's it's it's very much Corey's art in a way, and uh, and, and I don't know. It's I, yeah. I like how it's worked out so far. And I, I can definitely yeah. tell it's your poses and the way a lot of things look. You can tell your breakdowns underneath of that. Yeah, I, it's kind of an interesting mix. You know, when I when I started out doing comics years ago, I, I really wanted everybody to follow everything I did really faithfully and now I kind of don't I, I, I kind of go well I, I can do that you know right. so well, I want to see what else other people can bring to the table and it's, and it's nice to see what other people can bring to the table and, and see what comes up well because didn't you have that experience early on of uh, being aced by Vinnie Coletta well I did yeah and at the time, like you, you were disappointed, but like sort of later on, you said, I, I, I could be imagining this, but I think I remember you saying something like, you, you can sort of see where he did you some favors here and there. Yeah. And yeah. No, I, 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 at the time, it was, it, he was very much my, my least favorite anchor. And I've since kind of come around on him. It's not, it's not like he's my favorite now or anything, but his, but he's gone. Being the guy who who I, I I just I dislike the most to a guy who I'm like you know and I can see why he made some of these decisions and some of these decisions they're not as as thoughtless as 
I had originally thought, you know? Because I think a lot of people just look at what he did and you just go, well, he's doing this purely because everything is a shortcut. Right. And it's and it's not that way. A lot of the decisions he made uh, were actually thoughtful. He was actually thinking, no, this works better. And he had a reasoning behind it. And, and I can kind of look at it now and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. it actually makes some sense. He's definitely turned off a lot of Kirby fans and it's probably least like inkers based on his work with Kirby. Yeah, well. But certain people uh, find charm with his Thor stuff being that kind of scratchy look. It it kind of works on Thor, I thought. Um, I didn't at the time. (laughs) Actually, I I wasn't around at the time, but uh, when I discovered Thor later on, I was like, geez, man, this isn't like Joe Sinnott inks, and it's not like like Royer inks. This is somebody who's definitely taking some liberties here. But I've since kind of come around to it, and it's like, this is okay. I'm all right with it. So it it looks like you're doing two covers per issue of Supreme. One's yours and one's Corey. Is this going to keep going like this, or...? Uh, eventually, and we're, we're, we should be doing them together. I just have been so under the. It's it's weird because it's 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 almost faster for me to do one myself right. than to than to pencil it, send it off, get it inked, and and have it be the cover. Mm-hmm. And what I really should do is is draw the cover as I pencil the issue, but. My act is not that much together. Do you do you send him all the pages at once, or are you sending them as they're? Yeah, I do. I send it to him at once. So far, I have it. You know, and at this point, he's uh, not so far. I kind of dropped a bunch of them in his lap at one point. It was mm-hmm. like three issues. So it's yeah. like, holy crap, man! I can be busy for a while, and. So the, the from from here on out it'll be you know issue at a time. So I may just get the covers at the same time, but we'll see. Yeah. How many how many issues are you ahead? Not as many as I like at this point. Um, I'm I'm still working on my fifth issue, and so I don't. That's that's not ideal because you know, at this point I'm writing solicitation copy for the issue that I'm working on and it's I'd rather be in a situation where I'm just writing solicitation copy for issues that are done you know because that way you can just kind of go oh here's what happened Mm -hmm. you know and Dragon's always been in the hole in that regard it's always been the situation where I'm sitting here going what am I going to want to draw I saw on uh, Bleeding Cool that uh, Supreme 63 sold out before it went on sale. Um, Are you going to be doing a variant cover for the second printing, or is it going to be one of the things you just kind of change the colors or something like that? Uh, Actually, um, we're just going to run a... There's a Rob Liefeld cover that um, we're kind of cobbling together. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he had he had done a extreme studios preview 
thing that had a wraparound cover on it. And a big part of that was there's a Supreme figure on there, and I'm like, right. that would be a fine cover. Let's just use that. Let's use that. Yeah. So we we're using that for a second printing cover because just just timing wise, getting things drawn and colored and everything else, it it, it can be a little time consuming. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because there's just always stuff that that seems to take priority. Right. Yeah. Just a mad scramble all the time to get things done. Yeah, I saw on 64 you have the new Supreme logo. I like how you're kind of breaking away from that. The old logo, you know, you wrapped up Moore's kind of storyline, and now it's on to yours, which I thought, you know, 63 was kind of bittersweet because... In a way, you know, it's starting the series, but it's not really starting your series, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of an odd thing because you can put uh, an Alan Moore collection together and it would end with this issue, and you can put an Eric Larson book together and it would start with this issue. Right. Yeah. But I, I really wanted to have the first one have a lot of Alan's kind of trappings that he had in the book. I wanted to get the, the logo that he was using throughout, although we didn't actually have it on file anywhere, so it needed to be used from a comic book, which was was not ideal because it looks a little, little funky. Um, and then starting, you know, beginning from the, from the next issue, it's like, all right, well, here's, here's what it looks like now, and take it from there. Right. I mean, I noticed that this this issue, besides the last page, had no full page spreads. Is that stuff kind of going to change? Or are you going to do anything else? It opens way up. Yeah. With the second issue, I mean, the second issue, it starts with a splash, then has a double page spread, and then there's several other kind of big moments throughout the issue reach where it just needed and deserve more space than that. So it really opens up. Speak, speaking of the uh, last page, uh, single page spread, it sort of feels like the first half of a double page spread. It, it isn't that, is it? No. No? It isn't. It is not. No, the, no absolutely not. I, although that's, that's a fun thing to do. Did, um, did Corey kind of design a lot of these kind of Dax variants, or did you have those down on paper and he just kind of... Oh, they were, they were pretty loose, so Corey came up with... Corey put a lot of Marvel guys in there that, that are probably annoying to some <laughs> part. In other words, certain people who are... And, I, and I'm one of them. I was like, what, what's the thing doing in there for crying out loud? <laughs> I just want to say as someone who's never read Alan Moore's Supreme ever that I found this book to be very accessible and uh, easy to get into and I kind of appreciate that yeah I, I do too I thought and I thought as well I thought the same thing as well. I know there were people who who like things a little more spoon fed than they're just so used to having somebody tell you each and every little thing that it, they, there's a few folks who I've heard from already who were like I still found it somewhat confusing it's like, Geez, man. <laughs> 
what do you need? Uh, I, I think some readers really need to just just settle down a bit, you know? Use your imagination for Grant Alhan. Fill in yep. some of those gaps yourself. Uh, it's, it doesn't. It shouldn't have to to have there be so much stuff that that you know what side of his toast he's buttering. You know. I mean, right. if you know anything about superhero comics at all, you should be able to fill in any gaps that aren't made evident. I mean, it's just, you're right. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, I mean. It, I, I always it, it always seems to me like a lot of the, the comics that that I read are just a little too complicated, and I can understand that kind of sense of could you just streamline it down a little bit? Um, but I thought this was pretty good. I think pretty pretty easy to just kind of fall into it and and be able to know what the hell's going on. Right. So I was pleased with that because I think it, it can work as a jumping off place too. The only thing it, it didn't really do a really good job of is, is saying much about Supreme because he wasn't in it that much. It was very focused on Darius Dax and yeah, Supreme was a supporting character in his own book. That was my biggest qualm with the issue is, you know, you kind of the first issue being relaunched and you just you want to see some more Supreme and he's just kind of there to be like a tour guide for uh, his girlfriend yeah. and you want to see him punching out guys so I'm sure we'll see that next episode there next is issue. some punching in the next issue <laughs> <laughs> I know um, looking at the boards and online you had mentioned, you know, bringing back for, you know, that the old Rob Layfield version of Supreme, the kind of uh, Dick Supreme, I guess is most yeah. referred to. You kind of mentioned that he'd be back, and a lot of people took it as, you know, well, I'm dropping this then, you know. It's, well, I think what people took it as is you're going to turn the Alan Moore Supreme into the Rob Layfield Supreme. I hate that. And really, the idea is no, no, no. I, Rob Liefeld Supreme is going to be showing up in the supremacy much like all the other Supremes have been there. He is in addition to the right. Alan Moore Supreme, not, you know, not in place of sort of thing. So, you know, the, the Alan Moore Supreme and some of the other supporting characters will, that have been in the book are very much going to be part of the book from here on out. That's cool. I like a lot of the variations, like the squeak the mouse. And squeak, yeah. I don't know the line. Radar. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's some cool stuff in there, and and I didn't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. At the same time, I'm I'm killing his guys like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do well, like how, how he has the animals in there. It's kind of like you know. Kind of like a Shazam kind of, I know, I shouldn't say Shazam, but Captain Marvel type book where you can have these like silly cartoon guys in it and it's okay. Yeah. Like, uh, is it Dax? Darius Duck. Yeah. I love Darius Duck. I hope he sticks around a little while. (laughs) He seems to be the big winner. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. Just in contrast to what Jim was saying, like uh, I, 
having been a big fan of the Alan Moore Supreme, um, but also liking like a lot of the stuff that came in the book before that, um, I was surprised reading this at how good a jumping on point it is at just already. Like, I mean, I know he wrote it that way, intending to hand it off to another writer in the first place, but um, I was wondering if like, you know, people wouldn't pick the, this book up and read it and, um, you know, maybe think that, um, I think Jim, you might've asked this on the boards, um, if anything had been changed or anything to make it more of like, you know, a transition and you haven't changed anything from his, his story. It's no, like no, how, no, yeah. really. and there is a, there are a couple places artistically where he had asked for something that, previous artists who had done the book hadn't established, you know, like there was, there was one thing where it's like, you're supposed to be looking past a statue down to some rather. And then I'm sitting there looking at the reference of these that he had established. And I was like, there's no statue there. So I'm either going to invent the statue that's going to be there, but then it's not going to jive with what's gone before. So I just ended up going, okay, screw that. Um, and it's, it's, it's not important. It, it's just as a storytelling thing, it, it wasn't important. It, the, the, the purpose of it was for you to go, oh, yeah, I recognize that from that previous issue. Therefore, I know where I'm, what I'm looking at. Seeing that it wasn't in the previous issue, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any reason for this to, to be there. Right, it's continuity. It's sort of... Yeah. Have have you or or has anyone at Image been in contact with Alan Moore about the issue? Um, Eric Stevenson has. Yeah. Did he get? So I think he he's sent him comp copies and being in touch with him and stuff like that. Yeah. Did Did he get a response from him on what he thought? I did not. I don't. I don't know that he's seen the finished book yet. Oh, gotcha. He He may have, but I I I haven't heard anything. Right. So, should we uh, talk about Savage Dragon 179? If we must. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have any other questions on Supreme? Um, I guess just, Eric, how long uh, do you see yourself doing this? Do you uh, working on Supreme? I don't know. I think it's going to just depend on how how much fun I'm having with it and how my deadlines are going on my other stuff and stuff like that. I definitely want to establish a lot of things and kind of set up where I want it to be uh, before handing it off. But I, I don't I don't look at this and go, I'm, I'm going to do 180 issues of this. I'm, I'm kind of looking at it and going, you know, I could... I could do this for a year, year and a half, a couple of years, maybe, um, like that. Um, so I, I think we're looking at more of that, that kind of a run, just kind of getting everything where I want it to be. Right. That's cool. I'm just, I'm interested in seeing what you do with it. Definitely. And having seen the success that the extreme relaunch has had, have you thought about doing your own kind of, highbrow type launch or has it ever crossed your mind? I mean, image comics are selling like hotcakes now, it seems like. Um, there's been some, there's been some thought, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, yeah. getting, all, getting everything 
there and getting it all tied up. And, and I'm probably more anal than Rob is in that regard, more precious to me, you yeah. know? I could it would be, it's tough for me to just kind of sit back and go, oh, no, no, do whatever you want to with the deadly duo. I don't care. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's tougher for me to just let stuff go. Yeah, especially since, you know, all your characters are still in, like, kind of Savage Dragon continuity and have involved yeah. in, in Savage Dragon. It would be weird to let someone just kind of go off. Well, there haven't been gaps, yeah. 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 That's true. Well, I mean, they're they're still there, you know, right? Yeah. You know, we keep we keep touching on them here and there. So, so yeah. let's, let's move on and talk to uh, talk about Savage Dragon One Seventy Nine, which is kind of the the middle of this invasion arc. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, for me, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing the solicitation for the next issue and it's like, wow, you know, it's already over next issue. Does it seem like you've gotten everything in on this that you've wanted to and it's going to, you know, wrap up next issue kind of, or? There will be tendrils that'll, that'll go on beyond the end of the, I mean, I know that, that, that the next issue is supposed to be the, the end of the next trade kind of thing. So it's like, all right, I want it to be a, at, at least mostly an ending, but there, there can't help but be some stuff that's going to leak out into the next one. So, so the issue after is kind of an epilogue where people kind of step back and look at everything that's happened and right. try, try and help with what the hell happened here. You, um, you have, you know, it's Dragon in Space, and I wanted to men- talk about a certain panel, and I don't, I might be skipping around here, but I get the feeling that, you know, Dragon still has, you know, at least a little piece of Kerr kind of still with him. There's a certain I think, panel I think if, you, if you sit back and read the book from the beginning mm-hmm. with... After, if you just read from issue zero and then read the next issue, issue one of the of the ongoing, or not the ongoing of the miniseries even, I think you would go, holy crap, there's still current when you yeah. read the first issue, because there's there are like lines that were repeated and there's same kind similar kinds of actions that are going on, and I think that's part of him is that he's Something of a dick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. where it's like, look, he is very headstrong. He very much thinks he knows what he's doing, um, and all along the all along the way, he's like, he's kind of a, as as big a fuck up as Kill Cat. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like he. He kind of makes a lot of the wrong decisions a lot of the time, and and there are repercussions because of the kinds of things that he decides to do. I, I think that's what's cool and really, really unique about Dragon that a lot of people that don't don't pick up on that, you know. Anyway, what's this panel you're talking oh, about? Oh, I just talked the panel when they're like, you know, Dragon, you know, we got to get out of here, you know, 
go to more peaceful surroundings. You know, we have to flee. And he's like, flee, you know, and he has that, that shot. It's like, he's just like shoots that glare. And that really kind of <laughs> stuck with me. It's like, oh, it's like a kind of a cur evil look, you know, <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just where we get to the next issue. <laughs> well, and I think it, you know, I didn't really realize this until this issue, but you know, the the Krylans or well, how do you say it? Krillians, Krylans? I don't even say it. I don't have to. You know, I'm just typing. Yeah, I mean they're really a bunch of pussies. <laughs> it, oh yeah, you know, they, no, they are. No, it's like it's like the old Hawk and Dove comic when Dove was just like this complete pansy and you're just like, Come come on. Why are you just wearing <laughs> crying out loud? You're just getting beat up. That's all you do. Yeah, they're 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 pretty well useless. And is this the is this the first not first time but first time in a while that we've actually seen the dragon character in a fight in a battle? I mean, when was the last time we saw him actually fighting? And he's been around on the ship for a while. Well, he fought that tree thing back in one seventy five. Yeah. Uh, that. Don't All right. That. He's fighting trees. <laughs> tree things. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's getting yelled at. Yeah, well, that's like we say. I didn't know how well you guys could pick up on on every little noise going on in my house. (laughs) 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 So it'll be like, all right, here's how this works. I have this son, right? And he is supposed to do his homework, but he doesn't do it. So, his mother... (laughs) We'll tell him, you need to get off the computer because I know you're not doing your homework. <laughs> no, 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 I'm totally doing my homework, Mom. <laughs> and he'd check and see what he's been up to. And it's like, no, pretty much looks like congregate to me, kiddo. <laughs> so that's, that's his life story. Well, he's got a dad that draws comics all day. I know it. He <laughs> doesn't help. You know, it's just like, uh, well, Dad's screwing off all day long. So, I, I wanted to talk to you about um, Silver Streak. Seems like of all the the Golden Age guys that you brought back, he's kind of stuck around. I know Daredevil's kind of been a character, but of all those guys like Thor and Samson, you always kind of have Silver Streak kind of whiz by every once in a while. Yeah, it's, well, it's because he and uh, he and Daredevil are kind of from the same, the same book, so yeah, that's that's kind of how that goes. Right. Nice to have a speed guy too to show up. Well, there's a couple of different kind of guys that I haven't really done that much of. I haven't really done speed guys, and I haven't done stretching guys much. And I was thinking the other day, I really should get a stretching guy in here. I haven't done really that much. Yeah, you had race for a little while, and he kind of. I think he bit it, right? I don't He made, maybe, I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> I got to consult Gavin Twist because I keep, I keep killing guys off or not killing them off, and I don't remember what the status of a lot of these guys. Uh, speaking of killing off, I, I, can't believe, I can't believe you killed off that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Come on, guys. What, what have we got? She's got a hole in her stomach or something? People, people get over that. Come on. She'll be... <laughs> Someone said on the boards, was it you, Jim, or something? Somebody said, like, oh, Larry Stroman. <laughs> Larry Stroman's got to invent some more characters for Image or something now that Trish is gone. <laughs> I, think, I think Larry Stroman is a genius. I'm just going to go on record. <laughs> Does he even do anything anymore in comics? He does occasionally. Yeah. He did yeah. some ex factor thing not that long ago yeah I don't know I mean he was like the biggest thing on X Factor for a while and uh, it just seems like he just kind of there's a handful of guys it just seemed like they just they were so big and then just gone you don't ever see him anymore I don't know what happens it's kind of comics is like that it kind of chews people up and spits them out yeah it's, it's too bad you were asking about race earlier but he's right here he's right on page 13 he's right behind oh is he in there yeah He's running right there. Oh, there he is. You don't even remember drawing him. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah. I don't remember drawing a lot of this stuff. Uh, too many damn characters. That's why I gotta kill off some of them. The problem is that I don't remember who's dead and who's alive. That gets just as confusing. John Day is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he that. What's for for those that don't know? What's what's the quick and dirty story about John Day? Uh, he was a guy I used to go to a comic store that I used to go to when I was up in Bellingham, Washington. And uh, at one point, I was doing a comic for some small independent comic book publisher, and I did some story that had John Day as the main villain, and just because I thought it was hilarious, and uh, it was just one in joke after another and it was is one of those things had it been published there'd be like four people who would think it was hysterical and the rest of everybody would just go I don't get it at all <laughs> no chance I'm kind of glad that I got that out of my system because I, I haven't really done anything that's that in red sense um, and anyway that's, that's how that worked <laughs> and so from then on, he had said to somebody, I think at one point, Eric's here, put me in all his comics from now on. And that hadn't been the plan. And I was like, oh, what's now? If that's what it takes to keep treating it, I can still do it. Do you, so, do you still talk to him at all or kept in touch with no, him? I, well, I talk to him when I see him, but I hardly ever see him. So, you know, when I'm up in Washington and he at a convention and he happens to drop by, then I'll talk to him all day long. He's a great guy, um, but we're not really in touch anymore. That's cool. So, it's just you know how things kind of work out sometimes. It's not nothing earth shattering, you know. Nothing. No, there wasn't anything that right. you know, it was like this huge falling out. Now I don't talk to him anymore. It was just. Yeah, I didn't realize that you still it was some guy that you know you're still in touch with. I just in my head it was like some guy you used to know and see around. You thought he was kind of funny looking, so you put him in all your books or something like that. And you know, well, it's, it's, we're, we're not you know, like you say we're not really in in touch, but but you know if I do see him, yeah, well we're friendly enough. We'll but so he still collects, so he still knows that he's like in every. I, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know for sure. <laughs> Uh, and that, and I mean, speaking of that, there was a, a fan letter in, in 179 asking about Josh uh, Eckhorn. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Eichhorn. Yeah. Eichhorn. Josh Eichhorn. 
<laughs> I thought, you know, that, that kind of made me laugh because being a longtime reader, we kind of know the story behind that. And it's not a big story at all, but we just know no, it is. Uh, but it's, it's funny. It's, it's just funny to a new reader who just sees this guy's name all the time and just totally, like, wrecking him on the inside. Yeah, it's like, man, you must hate this guy. And yeah, especially this so issue. <laughs> <laughs> this issue is going to be hilarious because it's a Santorum reference. You know, 10 years from now, people aren't going to remember the reference. and just going to Oh, I know. Oh, that's the yeah. thing with a lot of the, the things I use for Josh is that they're... they're their expiration date on them, you know, and it's just like, oh, quick, you know, it's like, oh, I missed the window on. Yeah, like you said, dude, sleeping on Kato Kalen's couch or something. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's uh, eventually you get to that. It's like, oh man, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. You got to change your rating to adult just because of that, like <laughs> one uh, line there. <laughs> So, I mean, this issue, we get a ton of your bat, your kind of supporting cast in it. Was it fun to kind of get them back in the comic and, and, and draw them again? Or It's it, it's a fun and it's a pain in the ass, just depending on who it is. Because some, some of the characters I can pull out of my head, and a, a lot of them I really can't. I, just, I have to reference them. Right. And since this is all in the middle of a move... Um, reference wasn't necessarily handy um mm-hmm. and so it, it, it was somewhat problematic getting all my ducks in a row but that's over now right i i think you, you made barbaric kind of back to his muscular self for a while he was just kind of like a fat ass him and <laughs> ricochet what, is yeah that- I, you know i think he's back to being the way he was mostly because i I didn't remember his last appearance and what he looked like, so like, I guess he lost some weight. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so glad we get to see Kill Cat and the Kid Avenger. Yeah, I I love this guy so much. I, yeah. I could. I I wish I could do Kill Cat comics and just have that be all the time. We get to see uh, Mako again, which is always a fan favorite, and I'm glad to see him kind of return to Atlantis. It's kind of tying up some of that, you know, that backstory. And yeah, he's got his Namor trunks on. Yeah, I, I, have I done that before, or is that a, is that a first on this? I don't because I know that in, when I originally introduced him back in my old 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 comics a million years ago, that's that's his costume. And then it didn't really dawn on me until somebody had mentioned it. And I was like, hey, I don't know if we've seen him actually wear those in this book yet. So. Yeah, I don't think, I don't remember ever seeing them. There you go. <laughs> Something new. All right. There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in this book. I know there's a lot of questions going around with the Tyranians, how like in, in the main feature, they don't really talk much. As well, to the they, I kind of figured that they uh, um, they spoke some kind of different language, and that that our, our uh, people on Earth wouldn't necessarily have have the same kind of. They wouldn't be able to talk to them essentially, you know. So 
I, what I was thinking is, is Vanguard's an alien. He's got that helmet. The helmet translates everything into his language, so he can understand them. And, the, and that whole thing is 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 back and forth, so he can get that information. Whereas the people on Earth, they wouldn't be able to understand it. So rather than uh, rather than have it that they're talking English like in Star Trek, I'll just just have it that if they're saying anything, it's it sounds unintelligible to any human being there and just have essentially the reader be on the same page as the characters in the book. Cool. Makes sense. And then we get the that last page is kind of a doozy. Yeah. Yeah, hello. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean, I like it just because it's a game changer, you know? And yeah. it's like one one way or the other, it's going to change things forever, you know? Right. I mean, whether 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 they do or don't, it's still yeah. that that question has been posed, thrown out there, and it's like, okay, something something's changing or something's something's changed, and and things are going to be different from here on out. And that that leads us to the Vanguard story, which I thought was one of the stronger episodes of Vanguard. And, Frank's just been doing an outstanding job. Thanks for bringing him on to that. Sure. Yeah, yeah no, these guys are good. <laughs> it's been a real fun read. Yeah, I have no idea where they're going with it. And it's rewarding to longtime readers as well that you get to see all of Vanguard's kind of uh, cast involved and all his old foes are kind of getting tied into this. It's kind of kind of neat you know like this this issue it seems like every episode you kind of a, a new guy from from vanguard's past shows up and you get a, a muck on this one it's, it's just kind of neat um considering uh the vanguard serial ends where the 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 savage dragon story begins did you ever consider putting the vanguard ser- uh, story in the front of the book or was that just completely unlikely we had actually talked about it we, we talked about it and it just seemed uh I, my concern was that if you're uh, a new reader and you picked it up and you flipped up on the first couple of pages, you'd be like, oh, man, Eric Larson's not even doing his book anymore. Screw this. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't want to. I didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I think it worked out good. I, I, thought, it, I thought it was kind of an interesting way of doing things to have it sort of end as it begins. So. Well, I like it because when you read the backup, you know that after that last panel, something's going to happen to Vanguard because he's kind of like, in the main story, he just gets cut off abruptly. So it's kind of a nice little, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. But So, look forward to that. Cool. I had a, a few other questions not related to Savage Dragon or Supreme if you have a few more minutes to talk to us. All right. So um, the Image Expo, just wanted to see what your thoughts were on it. And is this, is this a one-time thing or is it because WonderCon wasn't around this year or is it something that you guys are going to try to do on an annual basis? Um. I'm, I don't think we're 100% on what we're up to it, 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 it probably will have something to do with 
WonderCon, if if not exactly because of WonderCon, it, it, it may be a situation where we'll move it around if WonderCon does come back, you know, so that it's not right on top of WonderCon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they decide, okay, we're going to come back next year and we're going to be in the Bay Area and we're going to be in that time period, then it'll be, okay, well, we'll, we'll do Image Expo in the fall so that we're not right up against you. So and you guys are, are definitely considering doing more? Of we're, we are very much considering it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it, it may be, it may be that, that we'll do it again next year and yeah, hopefully we do. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a great idea. It got a lot of really good press because you guys had your own thing. It was just Image Comics, you know. Marvel doesn't have their own thing. Yeah, it was a really positive thing. It was just a good vibe in in terms of just the people in the room. And and people had a chance to talk to each other. And there was was a a lot of panels. And and it was was very involving. And it was... But it was, it was also more than just an Image Comics Expo. It really was kind of the alternative press, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the other guys kind of thing. And and it was good for that because I think a lot of those people who are into other comics aren't, aren't into just, hey, it's a big Marvel DC event, but are just, they're really readers and they're really into what goes on in all these different books. Yeah. So... I'm pretty pleased with the way it all came together. You you did a panel where you were reviewing portfolios. How did that go? Um, it it went okay, except that most of the stuff I saw was pretty good. Um, and I think what had happened was that because I was critiquing some of the guys who were pretty good some of the guys who were in the audience who weren't as good kind of quietly shuffled their stuff into their portfolios. And when it came to be their turn, they just kind of, I don't have anything. So were you just like up in front for everyone to see? It wasn't just like kind of a one-on-one. It was, it was, it was up in front. Uh, We had an overhead projector so that I could take whatever they were doing projected onto the wall and then uh, I added transparency so I could draw on top of it. That's cool. So, so if the perspective was, was way out of whack that I could say, you know, this is what's way out of whack. This is why it's way out of whack and, and like that. But like I say, the guys weren't terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's better and more instructive, I think, for, for more people if there are guys who have more really major problems that we need to be dealt with. <clears throat> but it was it was okay. You know, nobody came out with with you about those like about those problems. That could be for make for a good uh <laughs> entertaining portfolio review maybe for everybody else there. Yeah. But that didn't happen though as much. <sighs> no. It's Anyway, right now, um, like like I touched on before, it seems like everything Image puts out lately is gold. You're just reading about you know sellouts everywhere. Um, is there any what, what books from Image are you particularly enjoying? And I just one of them that I really like was 
Danger Club that came out last week. I thought that was awesome. I thought the art was great. I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that. If you read, I it. actually I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. There's a number of uh, books. I'm kind of still finding where my comic shop is, and um, at this at the same time, um, because I'm part of the Image crew, I can just go there and grab whatever books I want. So. Um, Part of it is I don't need to buy this. I'll just wait till I drop over an image in a, in a week or two. They'll have everything. So I don't. I'm not necessarily the most current on on everything the way some other people are. Right. Uh, so you know I've been following the, the various extreme books and and you know Hell Yeah and Glory and. Uh, Profit. I'm reading that. I'm looking forward to Godland's big finale. And really like uh, Mudman quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. That's a fun book. Uh, Did you get the uh, American Barbarian collection from Tom Scioli? I have. I haven't seen that yet. I I don't know if it's the my local store here in Harriet or or just what, but. When I do see it, I will absolutely snap it up. It's a fun book. Was that out last week or the week before? Yeah, it was out last last week. I didn't get it because I ordered it through Amazon and it should be coming in like any week now, but I've been following it on the web because you've been posting like a page a day or a page a week or something. Uh, but um, yeah, he posted that all up as like a a digital strip first before he collected it and printed it, but I'm a fan of print, so I, I want the collection. I was content with the digital. I thought uh, I enjoyed it as it was. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a new he's got a new uh, strip to take its place. Now it's over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how long was that? How like how long did it last online, or how many pages? Yeah, how, like how many how many pages is it? A fat book, the slim book, or what are we looking it's, at? It's a decent sized book, I think. Um, Hold on, I'm looking it up. Uh, the new strips, the, the new strip is called Final Frontier, and it's I'm not even sure what that's even about. It's like about a, a rock band, and it's like a cosmic tale or something like that. Yeah. But it's cool. He always does good, interesting kind of wacky stuff. The, the print version, the print version from Ad House is 256 pages. So, so it's a monster. Oh wow! So that's so, a real book. Yeah, yeah. And it was fun. It was just kind of like he was just kind of moving along. Whatever you know, he threw on the wall. He just threw on the wall and kept moving. It was just a lot of crazy concepts and weird, you know, dinosaurs and robots and. I think there was some LSD mixed in there or something. So. And this stuff is pretty wacky. Yeah, it's great though. I mean, that he just uses the comics medium. You know, you just do anything. Like you definitely, it would be you know too hard to make a movie out of something like that. But it's a perfect comic book. So yeah, I mean that's that's all I have right now. You guys have any other questions? Mm-hmm. Nothing specific. I think covered everything. Yeah. Oh, Thanks for joining us, Eric. Yeah, you're quite welcome. I'm gonna go uh, 
see what what chaos has ensued in the, in the last few minutes in the rest of the house. Make sure the homework's yeah. complete. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the sense that it is not, but we'll see. All right. Well, thanks again. We look forward to the next issues. Been really great having you. Hope to have you on again. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take um, care. Talk to you. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, as we as we wind down our episode, I'm uh, you know curious, Adam. You read any uh, interesting comics lately? Other comics other than our favorite Savage Dragon, of course. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I have um, <laughs> two things I, I want to mention specifically. Um, I just got in the mail um, Nick Justice's comic Jesus E. Lee number one, uh, which uh, he's been working on for a long, long time, and uh, he had it printed and, and I had a, a Kickstarter for it uh, last year and, and um, I know it's probably a, a big load off to have the project finally finished and uh, you know for those of you guys listening who might not know uh, Nick is a, a friend of ours and he's you know, a long time Savage Dragon fan and he's on the image boards and um, he was uh, one of the, the you know the co-hosts at the beginning of this show and he's just been swamped lately but as soon as he has some time he's going to join us again um, and he's been, uh, he graduated from the, uh, Kubert school and, and he's been doing some comics work and, uh, this is his own book. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's just totally nuts. The uh, main character is named Jesus E. Lee and, and he's, uh, just as he sounds, he's kind of a hybrid, uh, uh, of, uh, General Lee and Jesus and he's a superhero at the same time and, and the book is it's just weird stuff and, and it has a lot of kind of off the wall concepts and uh, it's fun and he does some really cool stuff in it like he does some um, of that kind of Eric style coloring where he you know makes stuff look like Ben Day dots and he moves the uh, moves the color channels around to look make it look like the plates are off just little things like that. And he does everything himself. You know, he, he drew and inked and he hand letters, the whole thing. His, his lettering is quite good. And, uh, especially the sound effects are, are spectacular. And, uh, anyway, uh, hopefully we can talk to Nick again soon and, and actually, uh, give his book a proper look cause it deserves it. And anyway, go Nick. Uh, good job. On, like, what I'm curious about that book is, is it like played straight or is it like satirical or, I think you're going to have to read it because it, it's, it's fun is what it is. Um, but I'm not, I don't really know what's going on in the head of Nick's. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a pretty fun book though. I mean, is it still so, available to, to order and where can people find it? Um, now you're probably going to have to make me take a minute to look that up. We'll post a link on the FinCast blog and so that our cool. listeners can, uh, find it if they're so inclined and the other thing i won't go too long about because i think we're going to talk to this guy pretty soon but i got um a copy of uh michelle fife's zegas number two uh and that's the guy responsible for um twisted savage dragon funnies and uh he's just an all-around really cool guy and amazing um kind of alternative comics creator and this is another project that uh, you know is very near and dear, uh, and has he's been working on it for a long time. I got his his first issue of Vegas last year, and, and uh, it's magazine size, 
and it's printed on this really nice heavy stock. It's full color, and he it's very experimental. He does a lot of cool things with uh, storytelling techniques. And it's just gorgeous stuff. Um, yeah, it's the kind of it's the kind of work that makes me pretty angry to read because uh, it's very intimidating. And he wields a he does some really cool stuff with the brushes and. There's, you know, a range from these kind of cartoony figures to uh, things that are much more realistic and, and, and you know, uh, tight line work and then very, very rough, thick line. And, and uh, it's just great stuff. And that's I'm really just talking about, like, the most surface uh, analysis that you, you could – I'd like to get into it more in depth, and I think we will – we're going to be talking to uh, Michelle one of these days, uh, maybe on our next episode. As soon as we get it nailed down, we could announce it on uh, the website and the boards and stuff. Um, but uh, he's definitely uh, anxious to join us on the show. And, and uh, I recommend people check out the book. We'll also put a link to that on the Fincast blog. Uh, Zegas, number one and two. Good, good stuff. Yeah, I got one and two in the mail a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it blew me away. Especially uh, number two, just the coloring, you know, it's just everything about it. It's, it's really trippy and just, you know, I don't know where it's going and I like it, you know. Yep. It's, uh, you know, there's there's one kind of two-page spread that's pretty amazing. And number two, um, you'll know it if you flip through it, you'll see it. But it's, it's just... Uh, a lot going on and like you said the, the size of the book the, the paper stock it's just a, it's a neat looking you know piece of material and uh, I can't wait to talk to him about it for sure so lately I've been buried under an avalanche of uh, comics lately it's been kind of crazy the number of new books coming out that's just been piling up on me and uh, impressing me like uh, Profit Profit by Brendan Graham has just been the book, in my opinion, over the last couple of months. Uh, I read King City here a year or two ago when it was coming out in single issues, and that was one of the most creative books I'd ever read, and Profit's just more of that. And the uh, the art of... Um, Simon Roy. Simon Roy. I always mix their na- his name up. It's not Roy Simon, it's Simon Roy. That's what happens when you got uh, a last name for a first name. But uh, that book's been, you know, just crazy, but the good kind of crazy. It's one of those science fiction books where it's weirdness is thrown at you, but there's a logic to it that is just really easy to get into, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's like Graham's got this whole world built in his head. It's just amazing, like the things he comes up with. Yeah, it, all, it all fits together, but it, it it's yeah. weird. It makes you want to see more, you know, like, oh, I just want to see what else you can come up with just to kind of, you know, just see this alien world. It's very, very alien. You know, he's the only human really in, in the in the book for the most part. Right. And uh, it's just, it's totally different than, you know, any kind of planet or surroundings you've seen, you know. It's, it's, it's great. It's just a visual feast. I will say the last, the ending of the la- latest issue is makes me wonder where the book's going next. But then generally, it's a pretty mm-hmm. good feeling because you really want to. Any book you're reading, you really want to, you know, be excited to wonder what happens next. Yeah, I think a great part of that book, and I think Brandon Graham said this on interviews and stuff, and it's true that each 
issue is kind of self-contained, but it's part of a bigger story. And you can enjoy the whole issue and feel satisfied after reading one issue, you know. Even though you do want more and you want to see more, the story is kind of, you know, one and done, but it, they all interlock. Yeah, I totally agree. It's yeah. Definitely, definitely that's there. Um, science fiction book-wise, there's lots, lots of them coming out right now. It's almost to the point where I've got to start cutting some just because there's so many. Like uh, Brian K. Vaughn's uh, Saga. If you want to see world building in action, that's a book. That for, that book's first issue was, you know, kind of incredible in the amount of world building yeah. he crammed into it. Yeah, and it was it was uh, oversized, right? For like still only two ninety nine. Yeah, it right? was it was it was yeah. double sized for the price of one. It was an incredible value. Most uh, most people most companies would have charged at least four or five dollars for that much content, but they gave practically a whole issue away for free as like a bonus. And uh, that's in my mind is probably the strongest part about it is that it's just such the first issue is just such a good value that uh, you'd be a fool really to pass it up, especially with all the hype heat build, building up behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Fiona Staples this is amazing. Then uh, Jonathan Hickman has got his new uh, Manhattan Projects book that, in my opinion, its first issue is probably the best first issue. I'm, I'm sorry, not the best first issue, the best single issue of any comic that's come out this year. Now, granted, it's only April, and there's a lot more to go, but that had a really strong opening. And uh, Jonathan Hickman with me is a very hit-or-miss writer. Either I like what he's doing, or I hate it. I did not care for the Nightly News or Pax Romana, but I loved Red Mass for Mars and uh, the Red Wing. And the Manhattan Projects mm-hmm. fall squarely into the latter two uh, type of storytelling. So I think I'm going to enjoy it a lot. I'm skipping Secrets because it seems more like the other two. I've really been looking forward to the second issue of Manhattan Projects, which I hope comes out next week because I know it isn't coming out this week. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Manhattan Projects as well. I like the art. I like the writing. The art reminded me of uh, – I can't think of the guy's name, but the one that did that, that Joe Casey book about the cost. Chris Burnham? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like yeah. – that's who I thought it was at first until I saw Yeah, it. no, me too. What's the name of that, that cop uh, book that he does? Officer Darren. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think I heard of that one. I didn't. I didn't. didn't haven't read it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun, just pure violent book. You know, just gore and violence. But it, they really like. I'm I'm not holding the two books side by side, but in my head, you know, in reading this book, I thought that it was Chris Burnham. Yeah, when I saw the preview pages, I thought it was too. And other than that, I'm reading Mud Man and Near Death, and. Um, over at Vertigo, I'm enjoying uh, Saucer Country, which is a very interesting concept. Uh, it's kind of a alien abduction thriller political drama. I kind of find it – I want to compare it to like Ex Machina in some ways, but it's kind of its own thing. No, just a lot a lot of comics. Sci-fi comics seem to be getting really big all of a sudden. I mean there's Spaceman and – well, Razzle's coming to its conclusion. That's been running for a while. I don't know. I'm just really into science fiction lately, and there just seems to be so many comics that are practically catered to my tastes, and it's been really good lately. A lot of yeah. really interesting new creators, new artists. It's been just just been really exciting every time I open up a new previews catalog just to see all the stuff coming out this year. Totally agree. Yeah, it's a good time to be a reader. It is a good I time compare, to be a I reader. Compared, I compare last year to just these first, you know, 
this first quarter of this year and you know I've I've had to like you know really pick and choose and I'm going to read because there's so much good stuff and I ended up dropping a lot of long time titles to pick up new stuff that's just blowing me away yeah I've been trying to make cutbacks myself I when I when the new 52 rolled in I made an effort to try to get into some of the books I was reading like nine titles and now I'm down to four and I could be down to two in a month or so probably only will keep reading the legion of superhero stuff because i'm enjoying that for some reason I, I had four or five of them and i cut them all and have probably replaced them with like the extreme titles and you know a couple other like uh, image books like manhattan projects and fatal and hell yeah i'll be honest uh, while i support the extreme comics uh releases and i enjoy uh profit and supreme uh, for the most part, I don't think they're going to be for me. I mean, I'm Glory's pretty good, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it a shot. But the rest really aren't really tickling me, so I'm probably not even going to bother with them. But uh, I do appreciate what it's doing, and I wish it the best. Yeah, I, I'm on the opposite. I do think it's a rare reader that's going to read all of them. Right. Like, I mean, I think that's sort of the strength of the relaunch is that they're covering a lot of different kind of ground. And so... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm giving all of them a shot, but I'm not expecting to, to um, necessarily like have to run to the store and pick up the new issues, you know, a year into it um, uh, of everything. Like, I'll probably still be running to pick up Glory and Profit and, and Supreme, and I'll give the other ones a, sh- a good fair shake too. But, um, but those are the ones that I'm looking at right now. I feel the exact same way. I, Profit is top of my list every time. Uh, Supreme with Eric on it and knowing the way he writes and his strengths, that's, you know, of course, right up my alley. Um, and, uh, well, blood strikes, blood strikes. Okay. I, you know, I like the first issue. I don't know if I'm going to see myself collecting it. Glory. Um, they just posted, uh, I think like a six page preview up, uh, this afternoon of the new issue, which I guess comes out this week. Um, which looked fabulous. Um, I'm I'm really really into Glory. Um, I think that's an excellent book, and you know I, I just like the character designs, and, and Joe's doing a great job writing. So issue th- uh, the, well, I say the third issue, but it's really whatever number it is. Uh, it's probably gonna be twenty five. Twenty five is probably gonna be my make or break issue. If it unless it really wows me, it's probably gonna be a casualty, if only because I've got so much other stuff that I've got to make room for. Yeah. But uh, I'm hoping it wows me. I re- it's a book I really want to like. Right. So just to mention just a couple other books I got into, um, I picked up Danger Club number one, which I thought was phenomenal. I love the art. Um, it's about a bunch of sidekicks. I guess they're uh, all the superheroes have left the Earth. We don't really know why, and the sidekicks are left behind. And I saw the five-page preview and was like, eh, you know, but knowing that it was an image number one and if I didn't just jump and grab it, it was going to be gone. I decided to just grab it and take a chance with it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I thought the art was fantastic. I've never seen this artist before, Eric Jones, but the kid mm-hmm. had chops. And uh, the story was completely different than what I thought it would be. It's it's a really brutal issue. It's really violent. It's pretty cool. Um, It's worth checking out. You know, I I can't say, you know, it's just the first issue, but it was, I thought it was a really strong first issue. I I really, really enjoyed it. So 
you know, when you look at it, you think it's just another generic kind of superhero team. It just looks like, eh, you know, I've seen this a million times and, you know, it turned out for me at least something different. It seemed less like a first issue and more like an issue that's been around, a comic that's been around for a year or so. It seemed like, you know, they want to just get you right out the gate, like no time to, to build anything up. Let's just, you know, just wow you. Just throw you into it. Yeah, yeah, and I like that. I appreciate that. That's cool. Um, and then, you know, a, a mainstay of mine, probably my second favorite book behind Dragon, and sometimes even tied with Dragon, is my favorite book is Invincible. Um, Kirkman, you know, just kills it. Ryan Otley's art is just amazing. The guy really, you know, from... From starting off as, you know, taking Corey Walker's place on Invincible, it was, you know, I thought it was a little shaky the first few issues, and I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be for me. And now, you know, 80 issues on, we're on issue 90. Um, his, I prefer him. He's one of my favorite artists now uh, in in the industry. His art is just amazing. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of great things happening in Invincible right now, and Kirkman's got a way of just keeping things fresh and interesting on a superhero title, which is a hard thing to do. And uh, there's always twists and turns that I don't see coming, and it's it's great. And especially in this issue, I just a lot of stuff that happens I didn't see coming, and it's what keeps me uh, buying it. And you can't go if you like superhero comics and you're not collecting Invincible, then I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I've been enjoying the book uh, Invincible quite a bit lately, and uh, that's a good thing because, to be honest, the uh, during the Viltrumite War, my uh, I, I, I kind of started to lose interest. I don't know. It just started to lose some of the energy that I wanted for something so big and epic they were going for. It felt like too leisurely, I guess, and I was just kind of losing interest in it, and – I was afraid it was getting to a point where I might even drop the book, but it has really bounced back in my opinion. Yeah. I was, I was actually the opposite on that too, though. I liked the Viltrumite war. It reminded me of all, a lot of the old Marvel kind of like the Ron Lynn silver surfer type cosmic stuff, which I really enjoy. It was kind of caught when, when, when superheroes go cosmic and there's a lot of different space aliens and stuff like that. I, and you know, Corey Walker filling in on a lot of those issues. Yeah, I mean, I like that stuff too, and and that part of it I did like, but like that issue that was all double page splashes, I felt uh-huh. you didn't get enough out of that. I mean, it's hard yeah. to describe. I just felt that whole sequence through that issue could have been, you know, bigger. And I say that when knowing that it was a, you know, a series of double page splashes, it just, I don't know. It felt some some of it felt like it went too fast. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't have enough time to digest it when other stuff happened and I don't know I was it was a weird time for me reading the book but like I said yeah. I'm definitely enjoying it again yeah and Invincible is just a title it's like Savage Dragon if, if you like an issue that you're reading you're new to the book you've got 90 additional you know issues by the same writer and mostly by the same artist to, to pick up it's just I love having books out there that you know the same creative team have been on forever and it's just you know just awesome so next episode we got any plans any concrete plans yet uh well we know we're going to be uh reviewing issue 180 do we know when that's coming uh, out it can't be very soon we don't know yet no um 
the solicitation for 180 says alien invasion the finale the war comes to its epic conclusion death destruction genocide earth's greatest heroes face their biggest challenge ever and the fallout is anything but pretty will there be anything left worth living for the answer will leave you breathless so yeah so i mean it's that's a great little write-up you know it's really building it up so we'll see i think we'll have a lot to talk about based on that write-up who's gonna die no and Eric a lot of guys yeah everyone everyone's dead the end mm-hmm. so. I'd just like to mention that um, having uh, I mean I know they're not actually related by blood but having a possible incestuous relationship between the two leads is not something that you'll probably ever find in a Marvel or DC book I mean maybe like a Marvel Max title for shock value or something but uh, I'm interested to see what happens and I like that Eric can do whatever the hell he wants so that's pretty sweet. I don't know. Angel's been coming off a little creepy lady lately, and uh, I hope it doesn't damage her character too much. I like her character too much. Oh, me too. Me too. I mean, I, I definitely have certain, like, I hope it doesn't, yeah, uh, I hope it turns out well. I'm just, I'm, uh, you know, it's one of those moments where he can, he's still, we've been reading this book for years, and he's still able to kind of pull the rug out from under you. Right. Uh, there'll probably be another issue of Supreme out by then, so we'll probably talk about that as well. Right, and I don't have the solicitation copy for the Supreme issue in front of me. But the cover, it's, it's like him and all of his other versions of Supreme, the supremacy kind of flying towards you. And I assume it's going to be multiple Supremes versus multiple Daxes. Should be epic. Yeah. So that about that wraps it up for this uh, episode. Uh, we'll be back again soon, Thank I you. hope. Thanks for joining us. See you around. See you later. Bye.